This is the first of three episodes of a conversation Ryan, Kale, and I had with our friend Pam Parrish. We talked about Pam and her husband Steve and their family, their founding and involvement with Connections Homes, and Pam's books. In this episode, we talk about how she and Steve came into the foster care system and grew their family through adopting from foster care. Greetings, greetings, and salutations, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. And joining us via the miracle of technology from Atlanta is our friend, Pam Parrish. How are you, Pam? I'm wonderful. How are you? We're good. So good to talk to you, Pam. Yes, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad to be with you guys. For those who may not be familiar with Pam... Pam is the founder of Connection Homes, which is based in Atlanta, and they seek to impact the lives of young adults aging out of foster care or who are homeless or just don't have any family. She and her husband, Steve, are the parents of eight young adult daughters and three sons-in-law, and one of their daughters came to them through, uh, through birth, and the other seven through the gift of foster care and adoption. They're also Pops and Nana, two four adorable grandchildren, and I have to say that I, I like Pops as... As the name for for grandpa, I, I think uh, that's kind of how I'm leaning, you know. Or maybe Big Should, Poppy. Big Poppy, I, I, I could do that too. Sure, yeah. So, so tell I Steve. I actually know a Big Poppy. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's that's, that's awesome. Name. I do. So, so tell Steve good going there with with the pops. I'll I'll, I'll relay that message. Okay, thanks. <laughs> okay, so can I just comment on Pam's bio there? Sure. When I um, realized that she had eight children. Um, it's one of those things that, um, like, we have some friends who they're still in their thirties, but they have three grandkids because um, of the age of the kiddos when they adopted them. Right. Um, but for those of you who've never seen Pam face to face, she like at most looks thirty years old. Mm. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most women don't say their age, but I have to all the time because people say that about me. I'm forty six years old, and I've been married for twenty seven years. Yeah, that was the the other thing when you told me on uh, when we were kind of doing the, the run of the family the other night when we were had dinner together in Georgia with other people there. It wasn't like Pam and I had dinner together. <laughs> so I'm saying, um, uh, and you kind of did the, the the rundown of how old your kids were and then uh, how long you guys had been married. And I'm like, are you from some? I mean, do they let people get married at age five in Georgia? <laughs> No, 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 no. Let's be clear. I'm from Kentucky. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that makes sense. So, so much better. Now, right? and, and I met my husband at Walmart. So, I mean. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the story just gets better. That okay. does get better. Oh, my gracious. Yeah, okay. So, could we just stay in Kentucky for just a minute, right? So, if, if you've never heard Stephen Curtis Chapman tell the story of he and Mary Beth meeting, uh, they're both from Paducah, Kentucky. And yes, he is Stephen. I'm Stephen. sorry, that's Padukah. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry, I wasn't born in America. I didn't know. Um, and so Stephen Curtis Chapman meets a young woman named Mary Beth Chapman. He's like, yeah, we're both Chapmans. You didn't even have to change your name or anything when we got married. Oh, gosh. Like, you know what? I don't want to offend any of the listeners who are from Kentucky. But Stephen said, only in Kentucky. <laughs> 
Oh my, oh goodness. my goodness. goodness. Yeah, we got married at 19. We're from Kentucky. It's what you do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Were there family members that said, why do you wait so long? <laughs> no, we actually did have a few say, are you sure? But we, uh, it all worked out. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay, I, would, so, I would hope 27 years later that it, it did, did indeed work out. So that's probably <laughs> a good, did, healthy indicator of, right. of success. Uh, so you said, we were talking before the show, you said you, uh, you're empty nesters again. So all your yes. kids are out of the house. So tell me, I can't remember how old your kiddos are. So what's the so age range now? Yeah, they're between the ages of 22 and 26 right now. Okay. Wowzer. Twenty-two and twenty-six, and, and there are eight of them in that range. I mean, the teenage yeah. years must have been absolutely insane. Oh, my husband was totally outnumbered. Yes. We had six. The most we've had at home at one point was six. Oh my goodness! But six teenagers. Yeah, and teenage girls. Yes, yeah, old girls. Yes. Right I mean, there there were years that there wasn't a single day in our home that there wasn't tears. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of hormones going on there. It <laughs> is. It probably, is a lot of hormones. There were probably years when you thought your husband didn't live at home anymore because he was just like hiding in his <laughs> in his bedroom with his headphones on. He did have an office in the basement. Oh my <laughs> but he had a lot of, You can't see me doing this, but I'm making air quotes. He did have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I can hey, only imagine. I was about to say, let, 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 let's, let's, Christian, let's baptize this conversation. And Kayla says, I can, I can only, only imagine. imagine. <laughs> well done, wife. Well Thank done. you. It's like we can read each other's minds. I had no idea you were going to say yeah, that. We've only been married 17 years and we're already um, telepathically. Con- Isn't that weird, though? I mean, just talking about marriage for a second, that you know, the longer that you um, are married to somebody, how you like you start thinking the same. Well, like uh, yeah, kind of people say that, but it's not true for us. What? Oh, really? No. We like- no, we're, we're polar opposites. Oh, how funny. See, I mean, I think we're, Ryan and I are different in, in a lot of ways, but I think we know what the other one's going to say. Like we finish each other's sentences or... I'll call him and he's like, I literally had the phone in my hand to call you. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> it's not weird. It's cute. Uh, it's sweet. Be- it's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> thank you for all. I was going to say divine intervention, but that just didn't seem right either. No. <laughs> oh goodness. So, uh, so tell us like, can you just tell us a little bit about how your like how your family was formed right how you all these kiddos came to your house because you know our kids a lot most of our kids came to us well all of our kids came home before the age of five um but yours were a little later on they were a little Mm -hmm. older when they came to you right so we have one daughter that came to us at birth and um, when she was 11 is when we moved to georgia from uh, north carolina and I, before that time, did not know that you could adopt out of foster care. I mean, I, I probably had all of the same stereotypical ideas of what foster care was. And I was watching PBS one day and they were doing a special on the heart gallery, the group of photographers who take pictures for free of kids who are available for adoption through foster care. And that's the first time that I realized that you could adopt an older child. And we had, we had tried, not tried, we had thought about adoption before because medically we couldn't have any more children. 
And um, in our mind, adoption was international. It took, you know, two years or more. And at the time that my daughter was, uh, I guess, 11 back to five, we I was a corporate executive and our CEO literally said, your hours are eight to faint. So that we were, oh, wow. yes, that was a, that's a literal, literal quote. So that we really just didn't have time to go through the process. And then she was 11 and, and the thought of going back to diapers or to a toddler, just what it, we had, we had kind of put it to the side and said, this is never going to be part of our story. Yeah. And then we learned about kids in foster care who needed permanency and needed permanent homes. And li- literally I walked out to the garage and I told my husband, I was like, you're not going to believe what I just found out. And he said, sign us up. So we went, we were going to be really that easy. Yeah, it was to, really that that's easy. Exactly yes. how, that's exactly how it happened in our family. Man. <laughs> Kayla said, well, let's foster. I said, sign us up. No, it's not how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> you realize your husband is now like everybody who's listening to this is going that you are married to some mythical creature. <laughs> you know, I, you know, what's so funny is that my husband People always think because I'm the one that's out there, I'm the voice, that I am the one that has driven these decisions in our family. But I am not the one who has driven these decisions in our family. My husband is the one that has said yes first in every case. Wow. That's awesome. With the exception of that first one that I went to him. Um, Every case after that for six more daughters, my husband is the one that has, has advocated and said yes. Wow. Um, That's awesome. So he, he is uh, a friend of ours calls him St. Steve and he's really not, he, he's, <laughs> he hates that. If you ever met him, you would know that he absolutely hates it. I think it's hilarious, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he just has such a heart of compassion. Um, one of our, I remember when probably our fifth daughter, the option was, the question was whether or not she could come to our house. And I remember him, he just looked at me and he said, I would rather give somebody a corner in our house than let them live without family. Mm, I love that. That's a good quote. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's, um, that's where we started is there. And we were going to be one and done. I mean, we literally had no intention of growing our family in this way, but you know, when God becomes a part of your, when God takes a hold of your story, things happen. Mountains move. Yeah. And I I got involved at our adoption agency, which was Bethany Christian Services locally in Atlanta. And I started, you know, working with them to do support groups. Um I taught the the state impact training for Bethany to train foster parents. And in the process of that, I got to know a couple who were uh, were thinking about adopting a 15-year-old. Yeah. They were having a, a lot of issues, teenage issues. And a lot of it was because they were they were way older and they just did not understand Facebook. They didn't they just didn't understand all the technology. Um, yeah. All the technology and everything. So anyway, fast forward a few months later and I was sitting I, I was on the phone with our case manager just talking probably about a class that we had coming up that we were gonna teach and I asked about this family. And she said they disrupted. And I said, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to that girl? And she was like, we don't know. She's about to turn 16 and we're just not sure. Um, So I I told my husband the story. I hung up the phone later on that evening. We were sitting and talking and 
I shared with him what I, the conversation I'd had that morning. And he said, call Suzanne. That was the name of our case manager. He said, call Suzanne and tell her we'll take her. Mm. And literally like it, it caught me totally off guard because there was no plans. Yeah. You were just relaying a story to him. I was relaying a story. Making a plan. Or were you? (laughs) 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 So we did, we called her and two weeks later, I mean the, the stereotypical foster care story happened. We met her on our front porch with a cardboard box of her belongings. Wow. And so she became our third daughter, her second through adoption. And then um, it's a long story, but they started bringing each other home. And (laughs) um, (laughs) that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So we adopted the rest of our girls really came into our family after the age of 18. Um, Several through disrupted adoptions, um, a couple through homelessness and uh, one from aging out of foster care. Wow. So that's how our family developed from one to eight. And now we've got three sons-in-laws and four grandchildren. Wow. And, um, and if I remember correctly, and um, if I'm remembering incorrectly, I'm sure we can just have this edited out. But <laughs> if I remember correctly, like Christmas is at your house, right? Yes. With everybody. Everybody. Christmas is a big deal for us. Yeah. We make we make a huge deal out of Christmas. I mean, there's presents, there's matching pajamas. I buy <laughs> I buy a children's book every year for all of my kids and I write a special note for them for the year and, and I read it um out loud and then before we open presents and it's just we've got a lot of little built in traditions and it's just for me, traditions has been something that's really bonded us as a family. Yeah. And you have from, you know, 2006 to 2016, our family grew from having one daughter to eight. That's a 10 year time period. And to mesh all of those personalities and all those different backgrounds, you have to have a common thread throughout the year. And our common thread is tradition. So, from family dinners um, to taco taco nights to you know traditional Thanksgiving dinner to the Christmas holidays, we buy special ornaments for the tree for each girls. So um, baking traditions in whatever that looks like for your family is one of those bonding experiences. That now that I have um, three daughters that are married, I'm watching them implement those in their own lives in their own homes like the decorations because i would buy two ornaments that matched and when they moved out i gave them their set of the ornaments and watching our daughter put her ornaments on her tree and be so proud because it looked like our tree at home and then you know our, our other daughter who's got the babies watching her continue those traditions with with her kids mm-hmm. it i just realized that it's really those tie, those ties that bind in a family yeah so it's interesting to listen to you talk about traditions and, and the ties that, that bind um when i was growing up my my dad's parents lived not too far from us my mom's uh my grandmother my mom's side lived many hours away and so uh, we used to go over to my dad's parents for lunch every Sunday and so when we got married we thought well we'd keep that tradition going and then we picked a night that we do that with uh, Kayla's parents as well and and you know when we didn't have any children 
I'll, I'll be honest with you, there was a high percentage of the time that, that I was like, oh, do we have to go and have lunch or dinner with the parents? Because uh, I was just like, um, it was just one extra thing it felt like to me. But now that we have ch- children, to watch the children want to go and see their grandparents and enjoy being around their grandparents and watching our parents, grandparent our kids is just fun for us. And it has been, um, you know, in a lot of ways, some of the, the struggles that we've had with our parents over the years, you know, because you bring your baggage from your childhood and <laughs> resolve to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, so it's allowed us to really kind of view our parents in a different light than we may have viewed them 15 years ago. Um, and it's allowed us to have a lot more grace and compassion for for them and understanding why they do things and understanding why we do things, watching them do things. So, so there's, you know, there's a lot of positive that comes out of that in terms of connecting us to our own stories, um, what, you know, participating in those traditions, because now I don't actually feel like I always participate in the traditions. Now I sometimes feel like I watch my children participate in the traditions, right? which is actually good for me because then the tradition tends to make maybe a little bit more sense when I can watch it instead of be active in it. Um, but you're talking about Christmas. We were talking about Christmas originally. And I remember one time early on in our marriage, uh, we would try to do all of the family traditions and, and just not try to make some of our own and mod some of them. And I remember one time uh, we got back because we opened presents at midnight still then on my side of the family and then went the next day to her, her side of the family. And I'll, and I'll never forget this. We left my parents' house at like 1 a.m., brought everybody home, put them to bed, and then we started, uh, and we lived about 30 minutes from my folks that, back then. Yeah. And um, we started wrapping the kids' presents. Um, and this is also before we had sensible traditions surrounding gifts at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember we probably, I don't know, 4.30 or 5 a.m. were done because we had to wrap um, her parents, uh, her side of the family's presents, our kids' presents, and then we had to wrap each other's presents because we had done no pre-wrapping. <laughs> and we went to bed at like, I don't know, 5 a.m. that morning. You know who's awake at 6 o'clock on Christmas morning? Children. Children. Oh, I know, the kids. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. I was so miserable that day. It's like the worst Christmas ever in my memory because I just <laughs> could not enjoy anything. I was so tired. But I'm happy to report that we pre-wrap as we buy. And Christmas 2017, we probably, on Christmas Eve, had to spend 30 minutes wrapping a few things for the morning for the yeah. children. Yeah. So you do get wiser as you get older is maybe the point of yes. all of that. <laughs> yes. Well, I start Christmas shopping in July. Oh, my gosh. I, I wish already- that I was that uh, prepared and organized. I actually I did do some Christmas shopping last summer. And by the time I gave it to the girls, they were I found these it's those little um, blankets that look like mermaid tails. Have you seen those? Yes. And I thought, oh, they're going to love these. They're going to think they're so cool. And by the time Christmas came around, they were like, eh, that's okay. Like they had outgrown <laughs> their love of mermaids. And I was like, I'm never buying stuff that early again. Because <laughs> they were like having this like love of mermaids over the summer. And I was like, oh, they'll think this is so fun. But at Christmas, they just totally outgrown that. Well, it's almost easy. Yeah, I've now. totally experienced that, <laughs> buying this early. Oh, but I do love traditions. And I think it's fun to... I love that you you've tied that in, especially knowing that many of your girls came home as really as adults, yep. you know, in the yeah. eyes of everybody. And, and it could have been really easy to be like, well, now you're an adult, so you have a place to come, but we're not going to do all those, you know, yeah. traditions. But but you you've really like made that a point of connection. And I love that because I do think that traditions, kids love them. And I think mm. as adults, we love them, too. 
And sometimes we just, we forget just how much those mean to, you know, our children, just that, that we remembered that one tradition that they really well, like. Well, then it's comforting, right? Yeah, it is comforting. Mm-hmm. I think there's something, there's something comforting. And even though, though they only started that tradition when they were 18, they've come to expect it. And, mm-hmm. and right. they can count on that consistency in their life, right? Where things mm-hmm. have been inconsistent. So I love that. Well, we we were talking about maybe um, in this Christmas or next Christmas doing an experience instead of all the Christmas gifts and things, maybe going to Disney World as a family or, yeah. or something. And uh, one of my girls, when we proposed the question, said, but are we still going to do pajamas and books? Oh, I love that. Yeah, we're going yeah. to the Magic Kingdom in our pajamas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all match. But, we'll get footies that, that here. Right. And this was one of our girls that came to us after the age of 18. And, oh. and that's just that it, that's how important those things yeah. become yeah. when they feel it's a visual representation of being one yeah. as a family. Yeah. When you all have a, the same book or you all have the same pajamas, you, even the same T-shirt, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's just this visual representation that we belong together. So, you, you know how... Um because when you're talking about that, it's this, this idea that we belong together and Kayla's like, there's comfort in that. You know how, in, like in, in times of, in times of trouble, you've got your, your, the Bible, like Jeremiah 29, 11, right? And you mm-hmm. hit, you hit some rough seas in your life. And, and with Jeremiah 29, 11, people like, you know, really want to cling to that or, or other verses like that, right? Um, and then, you know, we have, so we have comfort verses in the Bible. We have comfort food. Uh, that we you know in, when you're struggling, there are just certain things that you like to eat because it reminds you of something. Tradition is kind of like com- relational comfort food, right? It's, right? it's 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 like the biscuits and gravy of relationship. That's what traditions are. Mm, yes, absolutely. And That's I love biscuits very, and gravy. I'm very from profound. Kentucky. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> hey, the lady's from Kentucky and lives in Georgia. I knew that biscuits and gravy comfort food reference would resonate. Am I right? Pam? Yes, it resonated. <laughs> Made me hungry. <laughs> Made me wish I'd had biscuits and gravy for breakfast. Yes, can, right. Would... The problem is I'm gluten free. Oh, so that makes now it I have really to think hard. about it all day. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> boy, that smile turned to a frown pretty quick. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So I have one question. So have you ever had any of your kiddos push back on traditions that you were trying to implement or that you already had in place when they came home? Well, I wouldn't say that I necessarily had them push back on it. I mean, of course, the sons-in-laws have have kind of pushed back a little bit on matching pajamas. (laughs) I'm with your sons-in-law on this, by the way. As am I. (laughs) Dallas is nodding. (laughs) So, but they did it. They did it to honor me. But, um, you know, not, not really push back as much as be uncomfortable. Like, obviously the first time that you do it, you know, we've had years at Christmas when it's time to take the pajama pictures that there's a, there's an absence, like somebody that should be here (laughs) is downstairs or, you know, just things like that that have happened. But, um, because it's uncomfortable if you, especially if you haven't come from that or experienced 
that. Right. And it, it's so funny because so many of our girls, we, we, we look like an ad for the United Nations because <laughs> we're so, we're so multicultural. Yeah. And You're one, a Benetton commercial my, in the making. Right. We're all old enough to, rem- to, to remember what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Nobody else is going to get that reference. Right. Did you just Google the United Colors of Benetton and you'll find something on YouTube, I'm sure. B-E-N, two N's or it's two N's, I think. B-E-N-E-T-O-N, I think. I'm sorry, Pam. We really didn't mean to interrupt the story with no, that's okay. spelling that's Benetton. Right. We'll put it in the show notes. That's right. There you go. Um, but, um, one of my daughters, two of my daughters are Asian and they laugh at the pajama tradition because they're like, that's such a white thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's funny cause you're, not, you're not only, you know, you can think of it culturally, like literally like Asian culture versus, versus white, um, Southern culture, or you can think of it in the culture of, it doesn't matter that we're not physically the same culture but if you are raised differently even if you look like me and you come into our home you're coming into a new culture yeah and we have to be very aware of that as families that that um you know that the fabric of our family changes in this way that we we honor and give dignity to Mm. the new member of our family by you know, not just springing things on them, helping them to understand. I mean, a lot of this goes back into the, you know, the TBRI stuff that we all know about transitions. Like yeah. anything like that is also a transition. I mean, yeah. we, we, we have intentionally transitioned our new kiddos into those family moments. And even in doing that, we still have those that are like, I don't know about this. You know, even though we've talked about it for well, months. I can't imagine, like, we've never done the pajama thing. But if I, like, just went and got matching pajamas this year, my kids would be like, this is odd. And they've been in our family for a long time, right? <laughs> Your husband like, would be like, this is odd. <laughs> I think, I think they, would, they would think it was odd. But I think if we continued to do it that they would embrace it as a new tradition, mm. right? So, I, right. But it, if I just sprung it on them Christmas Eve and said, all of you need to go put these on, they would be like, <laughs> no, you, not putting you these on. You lost your mind. Yes. Well, but well, if like I, I show telling... them to them maybe, you know, a month before Christmas, because I may or may yes. not have looked into that already this year, um, I could, <laughs> you know, potentially not have the same uh, – Pushback. I think My husband's got, giving right. me a funny look. No, I'm like, you'll still get the same pushback <laughs> from one of us. I think we got, um, in our house, we've never done, like, the entire family matching pajamas. But, like, the kids. But, like, the, I think we got two years of the three kids, and then the oldest was kind of like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it just wasn't worth the fight to, you know, with him after that. So, But we've right. always done, like... Kelly has always wanted to do like a picture of the boys by the tree on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not in all matching pajamas. And yeah. so that's kind of like one of those little neat traditions that just kind of cropped up in our, in our house. So. Well, to, if yeah. I talk, talk about Christmas traditions, uh, I'm from the Southern hemisphere where Christmas is in the middle of summer. And so, um, so having it be cold still after you know, 25 years still seems like a little odd to me. <laughs> like we didn't go to the beach on Christmas day last year which seemed odd to me because we do that a lot growing up and you know santa at the mall would have like bermuda shorts a hawaiian shirt sandals <laughs> and a santa hat with a surfboard um so that's that's kind of you know so this whole i'm like yeah sure if we want to put hawaiian shirts on for christmas that's fine 
But pajamas. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll be our tradition. We'll do Hawaiian there you go, shirts Kayla, for Christmas. He just gave it to you. <laughs> of course, we can edit this edit this out. And if any of you mention it, I'll just say, you know what? They just made that I up. Did not say <laughs> go that. back to the podcast. I never said it. <laughs> Well, you know, we started the podcast by saying, you know, that we're empty nesters now. And the other night when we were having dinner, we were talking about Christmas traditions. And I was telling David, Lisa and Ryan that a lot of our girls want to stay all night on Christmas Eve. They ask to come and spend the night because they want to get their pajamas on Christmas Eve and wake (laughs) up and put them on and have them on all day long. Yeah. So it's just, it's really interesting when you build something into your family that just becomes normal. How much as adults, because my kids are now adults and out of the house, how much they still cling on to those Mm. things because they mean something to them. Even if they, even if they are snarling their nose and saying, I don't want to do this right now, uh, one day it will mean something. Yeah. Well, I think you just gave Kayla, um, the tactical, uh, some tactical advice there on how to implement this. Cause when she tells our children, if you wear pajamas, you can wear pajamas all day, Mm -hmm. all resistance dropped. (laughs) They will sign up for that. (laughs) Mm. You don't have to put on any fancy clothes. You can wear just your matching pajamas. They'll think that's cool. Thanks for listening to the first of three episodes of our conversation with Pam Parrish. If you'd like more information, you can find it on her website at pamparrish.com. On the next episode, we're going to talk with Pam about how she and Steve founded Connections Homes and how that's impacting the lives of young adults in the foster care system in Atlanta.